thought the job was done. They thought it was all behind them. But sometimes, the past doesn't stay where it belongs. Now, Brad and Andrew must fight to protect all that they've built. The stakes have never been higher. And the beer has never been colder. This year, the epic continues. This is the Brew and View Podcast. Anyone yep. else have anything to say? Mm-hmm. Indeed. <laughs> oh hell yeah! Wow. Um, hmm. So you, uh, one of you, is Mr. Brad, if I'm not mistaken. Let me check. Yeah. Couldn't you see. can put your pants back on. Yeah. Couldn't see what you were looking at, but I, I can fashion a guess. You sicko. Mm. Um, hmm. you feel the hmm. animal, yeah, keep the change um hmm. relevant um hmm, hmm, hmm. I am Andrew, uh, so that must mean that the Bruneview podcast has a guest, and uh for those of you who are into continuity, yes we we cast the same guy. That's right. This is a franchise. Yes. Right. Every every year, you can expect another one coming out. Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. Set a watch, man. Harper Lee, uh, Devin, Master Z, <laughs> Doctor Zed, Mister Man, cool dude, all around cool PNW guy. Mm-hmm. Welcome back. Thank you for having me. No, no, thank you. Um. So this is the. I guess this is the. Like last episode was the end of an era, so this will be the be- 
beginning of another one just because we keep you on or we keep you on um we retainer we, i'm on retainer yeah <laughs> we you and uh kevin quilty um I, <laughs> I we get to we have the pleasure of speaking you to you once a year it seems like on the brew and view podcast so um it's a twofer mm, mm, maybe 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 lois maybe <laughs> so well we're um so well everyone knows we're we yeah. recorded these back to back so we did our <laughs> everyone know. knows a third of our, a third of our audience is with us tonight <laughs> yes that's right um so <laughs> uh we talked about uh andrew and i talked about our beers last week and yes. since we are uh, still drinking those beers. Uh, why don't you talk about some of the beers you've been drinking? You've been abroad, um, and then you've been overseas as well. As well. Hell yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. So I, um, I just got back from Paraguay a couple weeks ago, and so I went out drinking one night and tried to round up the local flavor, um, which evidently they serve most of their beer in like liter bottles so it's really hard to try a bunch of different kinds because you are buzzed after one yeah um what do their flights look like (laughs) it's basically just um a five gallon bucket with full of ice with just these massive bottles um and the the contractor I was hanging out with, um, they go there every week. So the waitress knew that they were big tippers, um, since their currency is not worth much. And she took good care of us. She just like would keep your glass full, so you'd like take a drink and set it down for more than twenty seconds, and she'd top it off out of That's the bottle. So like water, That's... but better. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> Um, so I tried, uh, Argentine beer, um, it's pretty popular. It's called, uh, Patagonia. It was an amber style that was actually pretty good. Um, I was actually pretty surprised that it didn't taste like muddy water. Um, a lot of the, the third world country beers end up tasting kind of like dirty, dishwater or something mm-hmm. well elvis or the beatles would have stolen it eventually mm-hmm. <laughs> that's, that's what i was saying it was like, the bluesman <laughs> did not have that bluesy flavor no um and then i tried uh paraguayan beer called munich which is spelled just like munich mm-hmm. i don't think they quite understand um they just pronounce it however they want uh, and it was <laughs> it was a lager i think they were shooting for with the name to with like a kolsch or some german style but it was just a straight lager um and it didn't have the the dirty water flavor so that's a win and it's yeah. pulling in abv about like i think they said it was over six percent so um for a lager you know, that's pretty high and yeah um after two hours of drinking with the contractors like they were they were mostly drinking the the munich and they were getting pretty getting starting to get a little rowdy um, did, did it have so, the umlaut in it in the name uh i don't 
think so. It might have. I'll uh I'll have to look back through my photos, but it it was they were like, yeah, this is uh Munich, and I'm like, eh. sure. You guys know that just says Munich, right? <laughs> but uh, it was kind of funny. They asked what kind of beers I liked, and I'm like, well, I love IPAs because we have great IPAs in the PNW and. One of the guys like, oh, I'm pretty sure they have an IPA. So he goes back and basically crawled over the bar to look at their stash of bottled beer. And he comes back with an IPA. And he's like, oh, here, here's an IPA. And sure enough, India Pale Ale. Hmm. And so... Was it crack, local, local flavor? Well, that's what... They're like, oh, yeah, I think this is a local brewery. So I crack it open, take one sip, and it's disgusting. Ooh. <laughs> Like, absolutely disgusting. And then one of the guys saw the name of the brewery, and he's like, oh, that's not local. That's an English beer. So an English brewery making an IPA shipped to South America Ooh. is not a not a good recipe. So that was pretty... I mean, IPAs are English beers. They're made. So... And well, they're they made were... to be shipped across right, around yeah. the world. So it's, it's kind of funny but that... It's... But they they don't they don't get to be an IPA until they get around like Cape Good Hope or Cape Horn yeah. or whatever it is you know like it, it needs to like go about as far away from England as it can just to become an IPA right yeah so maybe it maybe that was authentic flavor I don't know it was yeah. it, maybe yeah. maybe it, they, like did it for real Man, that would be a great beer that's a good idea listen guys mm-hmm. this is what we're gonna do all right all three of us. Going over to to uh, England, we're yeah. gonna brew just a regular ale, throw a bunch of hops in it, put it on a boat, mm-hmm. and then we're gonna meet them either off, you know, the, uh, you know, in India somewhere. And by the time it gets to India, it's gonna be an IPA, right? Yeah. I mean, like, yeah, wouldn't that be like, wouldn't that sell a ton? I mean, it would cost a shitload too. But <laughs> so distance wise, it's probably about the same. From England to India over water, as it would be to ship like over to the west coast of the U.S. Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we go visit Neil, mm. Bruce yeah. here, mm-hmm. and then I'll ship it home the, the, on a boat. Right? That is an idea, isn't it? Like someone should do that. Yes, that is an idea. <laughs> right. Sorry, by definition, you, I'm very excited. You, you walked into that one. <laughs> oh, very excited. Yes. and thank you for dismissing me. That is technically that <laughs> is exactly <laughs> an idea. You are technically correct, which is the best kind of correct. Okay, so uh, we'll send when we go visit Neil. We'll send a list of things that he needs to have ready so that we can brew beer mm-hmm. when we Malt. get there. Malts, Grain, hops, barley. Yeah, a water. Really in. big pot. Yeah. Big burner. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, but so tonight I'm drinking um uh, on my second beer, first beer that I had um last week in podcast time. Mm-hmm. Um Bum-bum. is from Double Mountain. It is the Hop Lion IPA. And just looking at the bottle here. So this is out of Hood River, Oregon, which is um if you don't know. It's like 30 miles from Portland. Um, I don't know. So thank you. So it's about 30 miles from Portland. And they're known in the area as being a 
you know, just kind of a, a decent brew. Like they have a good, they have a good, uh, brew pub out in hood river. Their beer is known for being decent. It's not something that you write home about normally, but you know, you're going to get good beer from them. And their IPA is 65 IBU and 6.7% alcohol. And it comes in a 500 milliliter bottle, which is cool. Mm. Um, and it's exactly what I expected. It's a average Pacific Northwest IPA. Um, I think I, I gave it a three on untapped because it's. <laughs> I forgot since we're on Skype, I could have been doing sound effects this yeah. whole time. <laughs> but yeah, it's 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 a it's good, but it's not anything special. Um, mm. That That's style a, of IPA is just a dime a dozen. Right. You know? it's, so, like, when you go into, like, say, a restaurant or something like that, we were on the last episode, we were talking about, uh, Andrew and I were talking about just a little bit about, like, going into a, a restaurant, and some are better than others, where, like, they may have a bunch of, like, stuff on tap from lo- the local fare. Um, do you get a lot of that like, IPA stuff? Like, it's, IPAs are fucking all over the place now. But, yeah, like, so. Yeah, it's um, so there's a, a little brewery. I think they've got six beers, um, but they've got 30 taps and we frequent them. Um, they're pretty close to our house and, you know, they've got eight IPAs and, right. you know, probably they've got an Imperial. They've got at least one hazy IPA and then they've got just like five or six just IPAs. Yeah. Um, and. You know, it's just like they're all pretty average um, at this point. Like, you know, it kind of so last night I went out to dinner in Bend, Oregon, which is known, at least in this area, for having it's a pretty small town, but they're known for their breweries. So that's where Deschutes Breweries at, Um, you know, they're national now, but. Um, went out to dinner at 10 barrel, which is one of my favorite breweries. And, um, the first beer I had, I just was waiting for my coworker to show up. So I just grabbed a, you know, generic IPA, exactly what you'd expect (laughs) average (laughs) IPA. Um, but then with dinner, I actually had time to kind of look at their menu and I ended up getting a, it was called, uh, Ride Riders of Night, I think, and it was a dark rye beer. Ooh. So it almost it had like that kind of smoky, charcoaly flavor you'd get out of a stout, but it was a rye beer, so it had that rye flavor too, mm-hmm. and it was just amazingly drinkable. So much flavor with the the darker um, grains in it. Just gave it that really like kind of hearty stout flavor, um, yeah. but it was like you know a nice thin consistency and just really drinkable. Um, settled nicely on the palate, just you know no harsh aftertaste at all. Um, and if I wasn't driving, I probably would have stuck around and had a few more. But um, well, that's how you get married. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, the, the, what's weird is like that oak barrel 
that that whiskey, that rye, that those kind of things, like they are really good. Like if you are two types of uh, those two different flavors, um, they just go together well. Right? Oh yeah, it's um, you get that bitterness with the the hops, and then you you kind of get that sweetness from you know, like a whiskey barrel or something. It's um, kind of get that woody, you know, usually they're oak barrels, so you get that kind of woodiness. And mm-hmm. it complements, you know, it depends on what kind of hops you're using. You can get that really piney flavor and then kind of go with the, I think one of the beers I sent you, the Alpha Centauri mm. um, from Hot Valley. It's like, you know, pine resin in your mouth. Yeah. But so if like- you took... If you took something like that, that's a hundred IBU, which I think that one's legitimately a hundred IBU. Yeah, I I question a lot of them now, but um, if you put that into a bourbon barrel for a few months, oh, it'd probably yeah. mellow out that pininess and just make it kind of a nice floral, woody flavor. And that I don't know why they're not doing it. If yeah. They should be listening and talking to you. Yeah. Um, and then tonight I'm drinking a Goy, uh, Zoigel Haas Brewing Company. Uh, Zoigel Kolsch. That sounds and very Aryan. I, <laughs> it's out of Portland. I don't know. Huh. So my wife actually, uh, well, she she picked up some beers for me um, for tonight, and I said, find something that I haven't had before. So she did it. Um, it's a Kolsch. It tastes like legit German style. Um, it's not just the the lager Kolsch style you get at a lot of places. It it actually tastes German. Um, it's good. Yeah, it's one thing for me that I I can't tell the difference from. Like I I can't tell the difference between like one Kolsch and another Kolsch. Like I I don't I wouldn't know how to d- differentiate between them. Probably because I haven't had enough of them. But um, yeah, it's it's just one of those things that I. Yeah, the the real like, um, we've got a couple authentic like German restaurants in town, and they have imported German beers. Um, and it usually comes down, you can really taste it in the yeast flavor. Um, the German yeast has a very distinct, so like if you get a good, um, like double or um, basically any of the German or really European beers, so like a Belgian wit, you can really taste the yeast in it. And yeah, good German style Kolsch, you can, you can taste the yeast. Mm. Interesting. I just, I don't know what it is. I just don't have that. Um, yeah, I, uh, well, I don't have the palate for it. Or I, not the palate, but just the, I don't know. I just, you, do you know what I mean, Andrew? Just like, I, 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 yeah. I, like, I wish I could, I want to enjoy more. And like, when you're talking about, like, you can tell the difference between them, like, you know, it's good like it's the good German yeast, then yeah, I'd like to be able to uh, like pick that out. Yeah. I, I mean, I just, I'm not a fan of the style anyways. So like, 
I understand, like, it's me telling someone who doesn't like IPAs that, you know, they're not all the same and some are better than others. And, you know, certain hops bring out certain characteristics. Um, but if someone doesn't like IPAs, it's kind of lost on them. And that's kind of how I feel about cultures, like, um, and a lot of lagers, too. It's like, uh, uh, well, I mean, I'm sure some are better than others, but I haven't really found any I like. And I've more or less kind of stopped looking so yeah I, but yeah it, i understand like uh loggers i don't i don't get loggers i don't know i i don't really care for the that distinct like lagered flavor um though i have the like had like an indian pa- uh indian pale I've Lager? had a few, yeah. I've had, and that's that's pretty good. But it's like you got to step outside of what a logger is to right. make me like it. I've had a mm. consistently enjoyed. Like I haven't had many, but I've enjoyed the IPLs I've had. Um, there's one from a brewery down here called Great Raft that um, I just bought a single can um, because I was like, oh, I want to try it. They make good beers, but uh, you know I don't like loggers. And I had it, and I was like, oh. This is actually maybe one of the best beers I've had from them. So, yeah, you kind of, I mean, maybe I just need to learn to step outside of my comfort zone. I've been drinking more lagers lately since, um, so the brewery I work at, our brewmaster is very much into um, just some more of a traditional, like, European style of brewing. Um, and our brew house has uh, six horizontal lagering tanks. Um which I don't think is too common and uh, especially like we're the only ones in Louisiana with the horizontal tanks. So like that are made to make lagers. So I've been trying more, I guess, recently. Um, But still, like you said, until I kind of step out of um, the, the lager norm, that's when I, when I've had the most, I guess, success with finding something I like. IPLs. Feeling them. Feeling it. Loving it. Actually, one of my favorites that we have on tap right now is a black lager. Oh. Yeah. Because it's got like the, it. it's made with like a toasted malt or a roasted malt. So it has that like toasty like flavor mm-hmm, to charcoal-y it. The charcoal Yes. Yeah. yeah. And it's like like a natural smokiness as opposed to like I've had some like smoked porters and stuff and it really just to oh, me it, it tastes oh, like ham. It's like disgusting. no, we just put ham in a beer. Cool. Yeah, it's it it's the difference between like a a real smoked uh, meat and like liquid smoke. Liquid smoke, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I don't know if some people just can't tell the difference, but. I don't know. I the liquid smoke flavor just doesn't do it for me. Yeah, same. Uh, well, and there's like, um, uh, oh, I guess some more beer talk. Uh, yeah. So for my wedding, how dare we, you? We I'm brewed uh, four different home brews. Nice. Um, for the wedding, and one of those is a vanilla porter. And. Some of the vanilla porter recipes just like use vanilla extract, but mm-hmm. um, the one we've been using, I think this is the fourth time we've made it over the last three years or so. 
Um, you just buy whole vanilla beans and you cut them up and you soak them in vodka mm. for like two weeks while it's in primary fermentation. And it basically makes vanilla extract. Oh. And um, if uh, I'll try to save some. I know, Brad, you said you were coming next year to visit. Yeah. Or I'll brew it again and send it to you guys. But it's it's about 11% ABV and just, yeah, it's a solid vanilla porter. Um, uh, that's actually a, a beer my wife may drink because she's she likes the vanilla cream in her coffee. And if it's a porter, it's going to have that uh, coffee. Yeah. Yeah. So that'll be interesting. Yeah. Uh, like, that's cool. Like, when you do that kind of stuff, like, who thinks of, like, soaking vanilla beans in in vodka and then <clears throat> adding it to their beer? Like, just to get that uh, non-artificial taste to it. That's pretty sweet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's really good. Um, and then, so we did three other beers. We did a Cascadian Dark Ale, uh, which I had sent a bottle to Andrew yes. of that same recipe. Um, so we'd made a keg of that and then we did, oh crap, I don't remember. We made an IPA and some other light beer. I think we made a Kolsch. (laughs) (laughs) Real memorable. Sounds terrible. um, I do have to say our quantities were spot on. We had, um, they're just like five gallon corny kegs Uh and, um, didn't run out of beer at the wedding. Less than three pints left in each one. Oh, nice. Oh, there you go. So over the next like week after the wedding, we finished off all three kegs. And then the vanilla porters in bottles because uh, we didn't want people just pouring 16-ounce pint glasses full of uh, 11% ABV. <laughs> oh, that's fair. I See, okay. <laughs> uh, now I have a problem. With. Okay. No, not not with that at your wedding because like you got like grandmas and and stuff like you know pouring beer like and you don't want them drinking eleven percent. Mm-hmm. Got. It. But when I go to a brewery mm-hmm. and I buy a eleven percent, mm-hmm. I don't want a snifter snifter of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Well, it's like I want a pint glass <laughs> of what. Like that's what I want, and I'm still I'm paying more Premium, for the sniffer yeah. than I am for a yeah. a pint glass mm-hmm. of most stuff, and it's just like, don't tell me how to drink. <laughs> you and uh, Mr. Brennan over over in Germany now, same yeah. same thing. I I don't care personally. Like I'm like whatever you know, uh, whatever the vessel. I understand when I when I order something like that. And maybe I'm just too complacent about it. That might, you know, that might be bad on me. Um, but I'm like, yeah, eight dollars for a ten ounce beer. Um, it's probably good. You I, hope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I. So the only thing I can kind of offer on that one. Uh, I understand is like some of it for for. Um, I mean, one te- technically. Um, we, you know, obviously well, take it, take it with a grain of salt, but like technically, and the people who actually own these places probably worry about this a lot more than the people serving. But you're not supposed to serve someone who's intoxicated. Um, 
which is totally counterintuitive to a tip-based income. (laughs) (laughs) But uh, I digress. The other thing, um, if you have something that's small batch, it could be used quantity. Yeah, quantity. It could be used to kind of um, discourage, uh, you know, excessive consumption or just run, or like yeah just run, at, run, run out off of yeah yeah but, so but if it's uh, i mean look, i guess you go both in ways a truly like, free society we could be yeah. pounding imperial pints of 13 percent beer yeah just i i don't mind paying the extra money for a high alcohol mm-hmm. content but serve it to me in a pint glass like i've never enjoyed a beer differently in a snifter than i have in a pint glass like the vessel, it doesn't in, enhance. It makes me actually mad whenever <laughs> I have to drink a beer out of a snifter. It really does. Like oh. it, that's why I'm laughing because <laughs> I can tell. I'm like, trying to not to laugh so that I can like put my nose up and be like, oh, but it's the the snifter holds the smell in. Oh, so like yeah. with a nice yeah. robust porter, you get all that it nose pushes, feel uh, and pushes the head to the forefront. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> no, um, there's a one of the tasting rooms that I go to um, across the street from my work. And we go there for our, uh, work happy hours. And they usually, they have eight taps. Usually at least one of them is going to be some high ABV porter that's in a little snifter. And it's, yeah, it's like eight bucks or something. Sometimes they're more. Um, and we've had some that just like, you don't want, I'd like you try it or you get a couple ounces into it and you're like, eh, you know, I think 10 ounces is about right. Cause it's either sours that are too sour and they take away your taste buds at all, like completely, or it's a super strong porter and you want to move on to the next thing and try, try something else. Mm-hmm. I guess. Like, I get it. I get it. I totally do. It's just, I, like, it, like I have no problem paying. Like, I've paid over $100 for a case of beer. Mm-hmm. Like, I, because I know it's a great case of beer. And I have no problem with it. But don't, like, I, I don't know. It just makes me. It's presumptive. Don't you? Don't you, you... I would feel so awkward drinking out of a snifter. With a beer, like give me a scotch or you know a nice, um, I don't know a, you know a, a really good bourbon or whatever. Uh, yeah, I'll, I'll drink it out because that's what people do. Mm-hmm. But I'd rather just drink it out of you know a rocks glass. You know, I, 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 I yeah, I, I don't know. I I under I understand for sure where you're coming from. Um. But at the same time, I guess I just like I've never found like it's never phased me. You know what I mean? Like I just I, I, it's not something I put a lot of stock in. Mm. So I. But I what just does kind it of, say about the rest of your the beer that you sell? Right? Like it's it doesn't it's not deserving of slow, of having a snifter. It's lower ABV. Well, exactly. That's the reason why. It's a lower ABV and they can charge more for it. 
like if if all your beers are great and you need to enjoy them a certain way, like why wouldn't you have it all out of like so you can get all the floral notes and all that? Well, and it, each beer style should have its own specific glass that should be tailored to what kind of style it is. Right. So those snifters are really meant for the porters and stouts. They're not meant for anything else. But yeah, you get sours and anything you know imperial ipas anything that's over nine percent ends up in a snifter and it's not necessarily intended for it not no nope because i just drank an imperial stout out of a can and i enjoyed what this has been going on the entire time Hmm. I'm, i'm sorry you guys had to hear this i'll send you a snifter okay (laughs) and you can pour it out into Trust me. <laughs> yeah, I, 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 I've, yeah, I, I, yeah, I get uh, it. I just don't get it. I'm <laughs> just giving you a hard time. I <laughs> completely understand. <laughs> I, I've heard this. Um, I've heard this so many times with, uh, with um, Brennan that I just the the arguments against it. I'm I'm just impervious to him at this point. To be to be completely honest with you, I'm like yeah, but. Does it matter? Let's get drunk. That's kind of that's my approach to maybe life, which is, you know, gotten yeah. gotten me far. I have two podcasts. No big deal. <laughs> <laughs> I have two. Po- <sighs> uh, yeah. So I look. I I get it. Um, but I I now. I kind of just want to throw people for a loop and like when someone orders a lager, put it in our, our 10 ounce goblet. <laughs> Here you go. <laughs> uh, like they should have like a giant, just a giant, like uh, one of those like uh, steins that come from Germany. They're like 64 ounces. Yeah. Like what wins the beer that comes in that? Like for, you know, I guess that's, the uh, Paraguayan Munich. Yeah, that's right. Drinking a Munich. Those actually Munich. were served in uh, like small steins. Nice. Nice. That's funny. I like those. Like, I like a good, like, you know, sturdy mug type of uh, build. Or I guess sturdy handle. Really yeah, when myself. I um, really, really worked, like, worked in a restaurant, I jacked like six of their big like i think there were 24 26 ounce mugs nice. and they're like the you know bar quality mm-hmm. those were great except you you could pour like a whole 22 ounce bottle in it and have room for head and um yeah and nice enjoy your beer glass. Yeah. right yeah and have some foam on the top of your beer. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. I don't know. I uh I'm fine. I'm I'm fine with what whatever happens. <laughs> See, I'm drinking my beer tonight out of a hydro flask pint glass. Wow. Mm, which that's actually is where I draw the line. <laughs> <laughs> it is amazing. This, All right, let's explain it because I want to and, and hold it up so we can see it. Okay, so do you guys have Hydro Flask brand like water bottles and stuff? 
Is it kind of like the Yeti style, yeah. or the vacuum yeah. sealed? Yeah, yeah. Right. so it's it's basically a vacuum insulated pint glass. Yeah. Right. But it'll keep ice for like six hours. Oh, I hours. know. Yeah, I've it's, got... And it's open. It's on top. It's open on top. And you're like, how does it keep ice in it for <laughs> six yeah. hours? But it's it's pretty amazing that way, yeah. Yeah. It, but the thing is, like, I when I'm drinking beer, like, I never have my beer setting more than maybe a half an hour. Like, that I don't, like, finish it. Like, Yeah, I got to make yeah, an gotta... effort for that to happen. <laughs> yeah. and but it, but it is nice, though, especially, especially, like, if you're drinking... Like, it's my margarita glass. Yes, yeah, something like that. Like where you want it, like to stay nice, cold. Uh, yeah, I uh, I know. Like with my Yeti glass, that's my that's my beer drinking. Uh, yeah, it 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 pours nice too because it's everything's smooth. Everything there's no uh, contour. There's maybe one or one contour at the top, but other, other than that, it's uh, works pretty nice. No, I'm a big fan of is the uh, punch bowl. I like a good, <laughs> good punch and bowl like the, with like a, ha- you can put the giant half inch diameter straw. Yeah, or you can. There's a little like uh, separate like built in shot glass in the middle where you can light something on fire. Mm-hmm. And just really enjoy a nice brewski. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you must be drinking lagers. Oh yeah, yeah. Nice. Uh, I think that's what you serve in yeah. something that big. It, whenever we get together, we're just going to do keg stands and natty light, like all three of us. <laughs> we'll just that's all we'll do for the whole, and we'll record it. Uh, you know what? I'm in. So yeah, I, I, I I'll I'll stop you when I hear a bad idea. Yeah, because that's that's the natural vessel for natty light is <laughs> through through the tap hose of yeah. a. Uh, uh, yeah. Nice uh, bottle of champagne on ice. Get like a bucket and just throw a little little high life in there. That's right. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, yes, <laughs> beer's awesome. Drink it. I'm having mine right now out of the can. <clears throat> yeah. So, what are you guys drinking? I think we thoroughly exhausted everything I have been yeah. drinking and am currently drinking. I'm, I'm just cracking a perpetual. Yeah. I'm enjoying a Cabana Boy and I'm sipping on an IPA. <laughs> um I two two weeks ago from from the air date of this episode, I uh was uh no, I didn't. I was going to review the uh Cabana Boy um from Urban South. It's a IPA with coconut and it's oh. just like the right amount. It, it's delicious. I love it. Um, and then I found out that I reviewed it about a year ago when mm. it was released here. So um, it, it sounded familiar. Yeah. So it's uh, Urban South. It's got coconut, El Dorado, um, El Dorado hops, and it's uh, double dry hopped. So look out. Sounds delicious. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, Brad, I saw you checked in Perpetual a couple days ago. Yes. And I searched in um, Untaps find find this beer. Yeah. Part of it. Nowhere. Around All right, me. I gotta send you some. I I've been promising, like I if, you, even if you just, Kato just and Andrew threatening. <laughs> yes, I'm gonna do it. If anything, just bring one. Yes. Bring one with you. No, I'll, I'll send you, you that. Um. 
and and they've been they've been uh, selling pounders now since nice. uh, the laws have loosened up a little bit here. Uh, but yeah, I'll buy a case and like for I think it's forty nine or fifty two bucks you can get a case of pounders of the perpetual and it's I mean it's yeah that's my go to beer. Uh, I'd love for you guys to go to that tap room because they, they uh, man, yeah, it's it, it's those guys, and it's not for everyone. I understand that, and I know it's my local brew, and it's my my home team, my home, mm-hmm. you know. But uh, like, I just I'm always impressed by what they do. Not that they love all their beers, but I like I love the the swings they take and. Uh, and what they come out with, especially, especially their like their scratch brew and their like limited run their their seasonal stuff. It's just, it's just, just a real, uh, they are, all, they're at the forefront, especially in this area, uh, for, uh, uh, beer making. So I'll, uh, I'll, I will send you some, I promise. Well, and spoiler, I might try to come visit sometime oh before you end up over here oh i we have plenty of room and uh we have a kid so you wouldn't understand (laughs) you wouldn't so i have 24 nephews and nieces Mm -hmm. um so i get the kid thing i'll bring your i'll bring your plugs it's different when they're yours yeah oh they well okay well since you uh since you and this is not good for pod, mm-hmm. but I'm going to show you my Nerf gun wall or my son's Nerf gun wall. Oh, this—I I mean, this is cool. Oh, nice. Yeah, and that's uh, that's with us not cleaning up. He has like I don't know how many, like sixty some Nerf guns. <laughs> but anyways, anyways, um, yeah. Well, absolutely. If you come out here, I will definitely put you up. For as long as you want, ask uh, Matt. We are we are good hosts. Matt from not not Matt, Matt from Pat- Span the Void. Yes. Yeah. Well, Matt I mean, uh, there's only one Matt. Matt from Span the Void. He. I, well, we, I understand we Ryan was such a good host that he uh, almost didn't leave. Yeah, and then blocked him on Facebook. But we digress. <laughs> no, no, no. <laughs> this yeah. is a rabbit hole that I want to go down, but. Let's not. <laughs> Let's keep that one off the air. Yeah. Well, um, oh no, if you guys you... know I love beef. So yeah, oh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. You all about that? Yeah. All about the beef. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um. Uh. But yeah, uh, all the beers we're talking about, you can find them on Untapped, and you can find us on Untapped at Brew and View Pod, and. Follow us, t- toast us, all those kind of good stuff on Broom Boot Pod, on Untapped. So, we have a list to get to. Yes, 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 yes y'all, to the beach, y'all. Yes, we uh, do. Um, this is uh, this is one of Andrews. I and I'm very happy that he brought this up because um, I think didn't we do something? What last time we did with Devin? What was the topic? It was like <clears throat> I think I'm. We- I'm did top five uh, I remember action your... movies or action? Oh, it was uh, antagonists. Oh, that's top right. Yeah, that's right. Because you said that um, 
uh, uh, um, uh, 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 Stanley Kubrick was the antagonist. Yes. And that's why it kind of rings true for this one because I was thinking directors and movies. I was like, who's the, yes. Okay. Yeah. For, uh, he was the antagonist for 2001 space odyssey, (laughs) which was a very good one. So, uh, this week's, well, why don't you explain it, Andrew? Um, so obviously, um, there's the, the idea floating around that there's no original thought. And if you go to the movies or you watch trailers, might not be too far from the truth, at least the stuff that makes it to these mainstream uh, wide, wide releases. So I figured, uh, you know, if, if we're going to be rebooting things anyways, why don't we uh, remake them in, in the image we want to see them? So uh, we picked franchises to reboot and directors to pair them with. I like it a lot. It's weird because I found all movies and franchises franchises i really like mm-hmm. i same so and obviously directors i really like too so mm-hmm. um <laughs> I mean, you just you're just yeah. trying to tank a yeah, franchise just, yeah i'm just <laughs> just a cinemas you know just you're like yeah. i really like this movie but i hate this director so i want him to just push buried into the ground <laughs> I want to see Tommy Wiseau's take on Iron Man. <laughs> uh, very good. All right. Well, uh, Devin, since you're the guest, why don't you go first? Oh, okay. So before I give my number five, I'm going to put a disclaimer that I am not as much of a movie nerd as you guys. And I don't know as many directors and well, it's been everything nice they've you done. Night, bud. I appreciate so, it. Nah. <laughs> I'm going to do my best. Just because I'm not married doesn't mean I'm a nerd. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm a nerd. I'm just not a director nerd. So my number five is a little movie starring John Travolta. Um, I'm trying to see what when this thing was made. 79? So, so I grew up with this movie. I didn't realize how bad it was <laughs> until I was a little bit older. Little movie from 2000 called Battlefield Earth. Uh, oh yes, I was hoping as soon as you said John Travolta, that's what I thought. I was thinking Greece. Uh, oh no, 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 no one likes. Greece. I don't. I don't want that rebooted. <laughs> Please no. That's got Forrest Whitaker, uh, Tim Coates. Barry Pepper, a bunch of actors that have had successful careers. So obviously this didn't ruin it for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think it's known as one of the worst movies ever made, which I don't quite get because I still kind of like it. Well, isn't it? But it's like, a lot of nostalgia. But is it like kind of the? Uh, it, isn't it like the? Scientology, like kind of the battle before, like doesn't it like tie into Scientology somehow? Uh, I don't think so. John Tra- John okay. is in it's it. been a- so yes. Is Zeno anywhere in this movie? <laughs> so it's basically it takes place after aliens have come over and enslaved the human race. 
and uses them as laborers for harvesting minerals. And basically it's the fight back against that. Um, humans have basically lost all humanity. Language is difficult. Um, they don't know anything about technology and, uh, Barry Pepper plays this very um, I don't he's not even he's not smart he's just a guy that doesn't like following you know what the man says he has to do and he he ends up somehow leading this revolt of humans against the aliens um, I I think it fits in there's a bunch of uh the humans kind of create their revolt, like their um, kind of their terrorist cell, if you might say, um, out in the forest. And Matt Reeves, in the new Planet of the Apes style, I think would do a great job in bringing this movie back, um, redoing it, and you've got the effects that you can see in the Planet of the Apes movies, um, which would help with the costuming for um, the aliens and for John Travolta's character and uh, Forrest Whitaker, because it was pretty. It looked like cheap, uh, like next gen Star Trek makeup for aliens. Well, it. it- it looked like because I've never seen this movie. I've never seen this movie, and it look it did look like they had a bunch of shoulder like like um, football shoulder pads that were like kind of decked out. Like they had a lot of yeah, stuff. big uh, forehead makeup. You know, like hair extension things, um, kind of the eyebrows of like a Vulcan or something, and the big Klingon forehead and shoulder pads. Um, well, it, it, because the, the premise of it sounds, it did sound like Planet of the apes kind of right. Yeah, Where, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's like, um, you know, humans are enslaved by this alien slash monkey or ape race. And, um, yeah, you got to kind of fight back against it. And, um, yeah. So I, I love the new, Planet of the Apes, kind of that trilogy. Um, I think Matt Reeves did a great job with it. Yeah, I agree. I like that. uh, This is a movie that I feel like people hate on, and so I thought it was a good start to something that should should be uh, rejuvenated and brought back. And because I don't personally think it's that bad of a movie, but well, if you want to check it out, it's streaming on Netflix. So, oh, is it nice? Yes. Check, 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 check to check it out. Cool. Nice. All right. Uh, I'll go second. Um, so Kevin Smith has been, he's been um, asking for it for 25 years, like literally to the, almost to the day. <laughs> he's been banding about and talking about how Star Wars could be better, what, what, what people are talking about. So I'm going to give, Kevin Smith the money to go ahead and make a new Star Wars episode. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Because 
I mean, you know, the whole thing, you know, the, you know, the, the, the contractors on the Death Star. Classic, uh, classic Kevin yeah, Smith, right? Banter. That's right. Yes. Uh, so, and why not? I mean, Kevin Smith is in, I mean, he's all over Comic-Con. He's all over IMDb. He's everywhere. He's honestly getting a little sick of him. So, hey, oh. put your money where your mouth is there, Kevin. And uh, let's give him the money and like make an esoteric uh, Star Wars movie. Yeah. I can't wait for the uh, CGI sauerkraut Jedis. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> Um, yeah. yeah. Okay. It'll it'll just be two stormtroopers talking about how they shouldn't even they couldn't I shouldn't even be here today. You know. I'd be, Would uh, they be a I'd be in clone fashion. or post clone stormtroopers? Yeah. I mean, I, I we'll actually you know what we'll do one of each and they'll be talking like how they grew up and like you know what's the difference between like oh yeah i grew up in a lab you know they grew me and the other guys like oh yeah they i was doing my own thing and they enslaved my whole family Mm -hmm. 37 my uh family members were killed 37 in a row (laughs) (laughs) they try not to kill any family members through the parking lot and they play hockey on top of the, you know, on oh the, God. on one of the, uh, uh, the decks where all the admirals are off way doing nothing, you know? Uh, yeah. Uh, put your money where your mouth is. You're, mm-hmm. you're such a big nerd about it. Everything. Let's, uh, mm-hmm. let's hear what you got to say. I'd like to see him do it yeah. and it could be fun, but that'll never happen. So. Yeah. I mean, it's a shame. I know that he, um, he was supposed to do one of the Superman Superman movies, and they basically told him, was like, cut this crap out. We're, we're selling toys. Like, what the fuck are you doing? Um, so, one, that, you know, that's a shame. And then, of course, you know, the Star Wars franchise probably in, in the real world would end pretty similarly with, hey, shut the hell up. We're trying to sell toys. Right. Um, so, yeah, if you were actually given free reign and that i'd i'd be interested um because i think he maybe this is what he needs because i personally i think he's lost his touch yeah like i like i don't think he's had a misstep or two i just i don't think he has it anymore so i i love the i love that you're you're issuing the challenge of uh put your money where your mouth is and i'm i'm willing to double down on that i got your back all right. Prove it. Um, awesome. All right. Uh, so mine, um, I guess Star Wars is still still very much current. Mine's pretty current. My number five is the um, most most recent on my list, I guess, that I'm, I'm looking to reboot. Um, I, I enjoyed the original trilogy. Uh, but... Um, I, I guess maybe a soft reboot or maybe I just want these movies to start existing in their own um, without having all this interconnectivity, which is proven to be very fruitful, so it's not going to happen. Uh, Captain America. Let's see. Um, I wanted to reboot Captain America with uh, 
Sam Wilson. Uh, okay. And instead of Steve Rogers. And uh, I want to give it to uh, a Chad Stahelski, who um, I was enamored with uh, when, he, uh, the f- when he directed John Wick. I was like, this guy has a fantastic <laughs> eye for action. That is amazing. Um, and I think that the world of comic books in general, but especially Captain America, it combines that um, those two styles that he is very much well-versed in, in uh, hand-to-hand combat and um, the, uh, weapons, firearms specifically. Um, mm-hmm. So I think that... Uh, It'd be like Garth Ennis doing Captain America. Yes, yeah, like like a uh, a, a kitchen Irish version of, uh, huh? of of Captain America, Sam Wilson, um, and yeah, I mean, I I think that, uh, and maybe too, some of this is my paranoia that um, eventually, probably sooner rather than later, uh, um, the guy who plays Bucky is going to gonna get to take the mantle as Captain America. Um, yeah, which is when, a shame yeah. because he's just, he's like charismatic. He's not very charismatic. No. He's just kind of. No, he's kind of like a potato with long hair. Yeah. Um, a potato <laughs> with long hair. I, I don't like him. <laughs> um, I don't dislike him, but like. I mean, he was, he was, he was good really in good I, in yeah. I, Tanya. Yes. Yeah. But, um, yeah, as Bucky, no. Yeah, and like, like, why won't he die? <laughs> Please kill him. Why are you standing up for him, Steve? Yeah, and then he's when he shows up in the in the latest Avengers, it was just like, oh yeah, that's right. This potato with hair is, and you know, <laughs> and we were like Thanos, Thanos, yeah. snappy fangus, do the stare. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's like like a potato that has a fork stuck in it as an arm um and hair (laughs) just keeps keeps adding to it um and bring back anthony mackie that'd be great uh cast someone else cool with that too um but i mean if you're comparing the two like um anthony mackie's sam wilson versus sebastian stan's bucky barnes like there's you're you're talking about a a well-rounded character who has um kind of who has like a full arc has good comedic timing has um a lot of charisma um, commanding screen presence or bucky barnes who um is pretty much we keep being told that we need to care about because Steve yeah because about he's him. like a really good guy yeah but he was a really good guy you know 75 years ago yeah uh, those, but since then those were the days he's been a really bad guy mm-hmm yeah, so um, it's kind of a recent one. It's you know another another pipe dream, mm-hmm. but yeah, I'd like to see a um, a a nice uh, a sleek, well choreographed Captain America with Sam Wilson at the uh, as the mm-hmm. focal point. Interesting. Yes. Interesting. All right, Devin. So I didn't write mine down in any particular order. So I will go with my movie that I think 
Chad Stahensky should reboot, which I think he should bring Indiana Jones back because of the same reasons. The action Mm. choreography is great. You might need some help with on the writing side to get the, uh, that indie dialogue to, to feel natural. But I think the, um, overall the, the action would just be, um, fresh, you know, it'd be kind of freshened up the Indiana Jones, like the, yeah, actually kind of, you go back and watch it and they're still amazing movies, but it's kind of like, you know, it's, it's Harrison Ford. How old is, has he been 80 forever? Well, and that's the thing because like the first Indiana Jones was actually, there was some grit to it. It wasn't. And then after that, everything, well, um, well, Temple of Doom doesn't count. Like, I don't count that as a movie, but like everything says Kalima. it. Been, yeah. It's been like so saccharine, sweet, like weird kind of uh, Spielberg right? Mm-hmm. Like, we got to get away from that. Like, we can't just have, you know, him save the day and just kind of smile as he like rolls out of, you know, and grabs his hat. Yeah. It's well, just, and you could still have that. It yeah. Just, have some just nice not, sharp action before it and make make it uh feel like you know that oh yeah him grabbing his hat like yeah he could probably lose an arm yeah just put yeah. some put some gravity to it and uh make it so that he he has a purpose in the movie and it's gonna be yeah i think that's one thing with the like john wick that you know like you kill a guy's dog and it's kind of like with uh, a quiet place mm-hmm. where, you know, you kill a kid at the beginning of the movie and it's got some, it's like, you set, you set the tone. There's teeth. Yeah. It's like, you know, anything could happen and it makes the rest of it. Any tension you want is there because you know, something there's bad could stakes. happen. Yeah. Yeah. There's some stakes. Um, and I think, I think you could, you could still get that light humor um, and that the the wittiness from indie, but you could up the the action level a little bit and um, make it a good action movie too. So that's my number four. Nice, very good. I like it. All right, so um, we all like the Ocean's franchise. I mean, especially Ocean's Eleven. Lotion yeah. Eleven. I don't think there's anything like that's a good movie. Love Frank Sinatra. Right? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yes, um, yes. Uh, the set, you know, Ocean's Twelve and Ocean Thirteen. Eh, not so good. But we're talking heist. We're talking gangsters. We're talking things like that. Let's get Marty Scorsese to reboot the Ocean's franchise. Oh, wow. let's not make it all fun and games. Let's put some a little bit of stakes. Let's put some good music to it. Mm-hmm. Let's put some uh, like a great soundtrack to it. Um uh and put some rough and raw characters in it and and a little bit more cursing. That's yeah. what I want in my Ocean's franchise cuz like now, you know, um you know, Ocean's 8 didn't see it. I don't know mm-hmm. if it's good or not. Uh but I didn't like Ocean's 13. I didn't li- like Ocean's 12. Uh Let's uh, reboot this thing with a little uh, 
uh, a little bit of blood, a little, give me some, a Joe Pesci like character, you know, give me somebody that's going to, um, I mean, if anyone grab... can get you Joe Pesci, yes, he's the guy. Right. But I'm pretty much done with Joe Pesci. Like he's played the same role over and over, right, you know, man. let's give me, uh, Oh, someone we were talking about earlier, Walton Goggins, right. Mm-hmm. Make him be a gangster or make him be a part of the heist crew that actually is a little off the hinges, you know. Um, he would do that perfectly. Right. And like he's the wild card. And, and you know, it's, you know, Ocean's Eleven, it's heist movie. No one gets bloody. Mm-hmm. And Ocean's Eleven Scorsese style. Yes. It's going to get bloody. You end with Ocean's Eight. Yes. <laughs> I. Actually, they kill. Oh man, I didn't know how much I uh how much I wanted this till now. Yeah. That's um Oh, that's such a good idea cuz it it is like right in, you know, he he loves the obviously casino, obviously likes working with wise guys. He can pull off Yeah. 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 Not everyone's a lovable bad guy. Yeah. No. No. There's some like legit bad guys. There's some bad bad guys out there. There's especially if you're pulling off a heist. Like how many mm-hmm. lovable bad guys can you have as your wheel man? Yeah. Eh. Yeah, but uh, that's fantastic, and I th- I think it's uh, it's what we need right now. I don't like I don't need another like PG thirteen for some sexual references and suggestive themes. Like let's go all no. the way with it. You're robbing. A fucking casino. Yeah. You start out with that. That exact line. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And that's going to get your R. Yeah. I'm into it. I like it a lot. And then you kill a kid and a puppy. Yeah. And then... And then you and if John Wick shows up, and then... Yeah. John Wick is the uh, the mob boss's... You know, his, yeah. like, lieutenant. His He's the one that's in yeah, charge uh, of keeping, uh, keeping people away from the money. A young John Wick, like what he used to do before we we get introduced. To yeah, him. Right. so you're you're eleven. Ocean's eleven. So it's gotta get past him. Yeah. Yes. Wartime conciliary. <laughs> nice. All right. Um. All right. So, my number four. Uh. It's just uh. It's a sad truth that they're gonna keep making these movies. Um. So. Why don't we just uh, pull the plug, switch it off, and switch it back on um, instead of going down this, uh, you know, journey down the toilet as this franchise is flushed. uh, Why don't we just start over Jurassic Park uh, with Dennis Villeneuve? No. Um, Someone who can handle big set pieces, someone who can handle quiet moments, someone who can handle action someone who can create wonder someone who can handle mystery um let's let's bring a little prestige back to this uh, and especially with the the uh awful taste in my mouth from fallen kingdom i uh yeah i'm i'm, yeah. I'm ready i'm ready because the, the movies aren't <laughs> going anywhere so it's gonna be done all in natural light yeah there's gonna be no dinosaurs <laughs> Yes. <laughs> oh, geriatric people. So it's geriatric park. Geriatric park. Or yes. we or it'll just be like the the um 
feet of uh, apatosauruses or something like in uh, what arrival <laughs> you can just see just see parts of them in in the mist right. <laughs> but like he he can like arrival is just such a good example of um those uh moments on their intimate moments with big stakes and like it's just um well we've talked about arrival before just being that like movie that works so well almost in in spite of itself because uh, on paper you're like was it what like the beginning is the end and it's like okay like i guess sounds pretty heady um but it all flows really nicely and and he just he has this nice kind of poetic language about the way he shoots that but when you're in that craft that spacecraft you know there is these moments of wonder and these moments of like it they're small setting with huge stakes or implication and nothing ever goes haywire in in that movie particularly but he just well even in, in that in um in sicario where like it's like it's all behind the scenes stuff. It's yeah. it, there's nothing like it's going to make the front page. Maybe it hits some, but like it's these small moments that feel so gigantic on the screen that yeah, it, you uh, don't know yeah. like something could happen. And and he's so good at building that tension with um, possibility and even not really or like threatening that and ultimately not delivering on it with something like arrival like mm-hmm. nothing ever goes haywire or or definitely you know setting it up and and delivering it like the when they um have to uh drive that convoy through mexico in sicario yeah like he can handle both those things with a, a deft hand and then yeah. obviously you know he's great with special effects as we saw in uh, blade runner 2049 like he can handle that he knows how to shoot around that he knows how to um, work with that so i don't know let's let's bring some spectacle and some wonder and some prestige back to this franchise that has just been yeah pretty steadily declining for over two decades now over two decades yeah i i like that a lot i do yep because he's yeah he's one of my favorite directors right now i was trying to fit him somewhere into my list but i couldn't find a place to do it yeah all right. All right. So my number three is a movie, the original. It had a sequel, technically. Um, I've tried to forget about it. Yeah, yeah. I saw you wince whenever you said that. Oh man, I <laughs> was just reliving, um, watching the sequel. But um, original, nineteen ninety six, with uh. Will Smith, mm. Independence Day. Nice. No. Think you could bring it back? Um, just forget that you made a sequel completely. Uh, just you could even just re- do a full uh, remake, even not even a reboot of, you know, just completely remake the original um, with uh, Guy Ritchie at the lead. Mm. I think. Uh, he he could bring um you know just that like kind of that wittiness just like every guy Ritchie movie is just like 
all the dialogue is just it's like all snappy. Tongue in cheek. it's just right. like snappy it's mm-hmm. witty i feel like independence day tried to have that kind of jokes but it was just it a lot of them fell flat welcome in to the original earth. one it's welcome to earth <laughs> and uh yeah. yeah it's just you know there's like the recycling the tin cans and just yeah thought there's lots of jokes that just i feel like you could if you brought in somebody that could get that dialogue right because that's really what you know you have that big spectacle mm-hmm. of the special effects but at the end of the day that that movie comes down to these very individual people kind of working yeah. their working their way across the the you know well, California and from New York and DC and they kind of all these different paths intersect and uh, you could do that so much more. Well, if you, if you look concisely. at a movie, like if you look at a movie like uh statue or Lockstock, you get like all those different storylines, like tying in together, yeah. like eventually by the end and, and, and a movie like independence day has the same thing where it's got like 18 different storylines, you know, you, we're not maybe, maybe that many, but like, we're always checking in with the deck, different people and it's always they get the same allotment of time but like you could do that same kind of thing where you know you have the big spectacle of them fight but you also have like someone like the janitor working at the place where they're keeping the alien where he has to clean up all the shit or something you know all the alien poop yeah you know and <laughs> like him and his buddy are trying to like get through that or, you know that yeah i can see him doing that because he he is a good writer like there's no doubting it. It's just what he's done recently is like, obviously he's going for like, he's making money directing and like, right. um, he's, I don't, I don't know. I, I, I shouldn't say he's not inspired, but maybe he needs that, uh, creative juice going and maybe independence day would be the thing to do. Yeah. yeah. yeah I mean, yeah, I, I think independence day worked so well because, and I didn't see the sequel, but from my understanding, Don't. A, big, a big problem is that Jeff Goldblum, as much as we all love him, is not a leading man. At point blank period, no comma. Uh, and that's why The Lost World's not great. That's why, um, that's why people love him in these bit roles when he shows up is because he is so great at... Um, He's he's almost become known for being a caricature of himself, uh, and that doesn't carry a movie. Um, but the the thing that was so great about the original Independence Day is it's an ensemble cast, like you said. And and I mean, just look at his first two movies, Snatch and, mm-hmm. and Lockstock are like he knows how to balance his characters so well. So. And tell a story. Yes, yes, and, and that's one of the one of the, usually one of the requirements of of uh, a compelling movie. Yeah, um, I like it a lot. It, it yeah. could be done. It could be done. God damn, I'm starting to think of more shit that we could be. Yeah, <laughs> I have a, a lot of things we could get into. But I know right. I, I wish I would have had more time to like flesh these out. I was gonna figure out plot lines and who all the every actor in the movie was going to be and i just ran out of time well that's why i said we're pros of this podcast game mm-hmm. right all three of us we can uh, make things work 
Yes. Shooting off the hip. Yes, yes. Anyways, um, okay. So when you think of Guillermo del Toro, we think of other than other than um, uh, what's the the uh, crap the Pacific Rim, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you think of like grotesque creatures, like weird um, visuals. You think of just um, Pan's Labyrinth. Yes, that kind of thing. Uh, even um, the Fishman, uh, Shape of Water, right? Yes. Yeah, yeah, right. So, I love the Muppets. Hmm. <laughs> Me too. <laughs> Where's this going? Let, let's see what Camero Del Toro can do with a reboot of the Muppet franchise. <laughs> Because, like, he's he's shown himself to be an Oscar award-winning director. Mm-hmm. And he enjoys the creatures. And what's what's a Muppet movie without creatures? I think we should incorporate all this and let's just dive right into it. It's going to be fun, right? Yeah, I'm in. <laughs> I'm into it. Because I love the Muppet franchise, I do. I love all the the side characters. Like Kermit, he's milk toast. He's supposed to be that 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 that. Uh, what is it? The uh, the binding um, uh, thing to make Kermit's... the Muppets like, oh, this is this is okay. But like, it's all the the he's side the characters. Man. Yeah, yeah, right. It's it's Rolf and it's it's uh, Animal and it's Doctor Teeth and and uh, uh, Doctor what is it Hunton. Or no, Bunsen Honeydew. Bunsen and uh, Beaker, yeah. Yeah, all those like crazy creatures. But <laughs> let's let's dive deep into it, right? Let's get let's get creepy and mm. and creaturey into the Muppet movies, and have uh, Guillermo del Toro dive into that. <laughs> It'd be fun. I'm I'm into it. <laughs> I come here, kids. I would Check really like out. like him to have like just the classic puppets and then the the creatures that he creates in the world around it. Like just yeah. that that clash of context. <laughs> yeah, just like them walking into the dinner table the dinner scene in uh the Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. <laughs> Hi everybody. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I love this. <laughs> yeah, I'm in. Sign me up. Uh, all right, what do I got for you? Oh, okay. Um, so, uh, Home Alone has been uh, floundering. Um, I would say in mediocrity, but that ship has sailed. Uh, it's had yeah. a couple of sequels that were just, I just unwatchable. Um, and it started out so promising with the, uh, the original and then, uh, Home Alone 2, Lost in New York, uh, a, a pretty worthy follow-up. Um, but, uh, I don't know. Since then, I, I feel like we haven't had anything that really even comes close to that. Like it's, uh, movies around Christmas time are now very just insincere, very saccharine, like pumped out 
Lifetime or, or uh, Hallmark Channel movies. Um, mm-hmm. So why don't we get someone who can uh, handle being wacky, who can handle being grounded, and uh, who has some, uh, some, some friends who just might make some uh, good uh, wet bandits. Um, let's give this to <laughs> Adam McKay. No, okay. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Just, just between Step Brothers and The Big Short, you gotta yeah. <laughs> it's, put those two together. They, I feel like they mesh very well as it as well, it is. You, and then throw you, Christmas you put, in there. Uh, yeah, you put uh, Will Ferrell and John C. Riley as your your wet bandits. <laughs> like it doesn't. It's not even Home Alone anymore. It's just no, a, it's, a wet bandit movie. Yeah. No, that's what we need is a wet bandit spinoff, right? Yeah, maybe maybe that's where the the direction we need to be in. We need to find out because like, they're terrible Origin criminals. Story. Yeah, they're horrible criminals. Um, but for some reason, it's it's the life they chose, and yeah, I, I, yeah. I just I I think that um, because I I mean, talk about like a a couple no. of movies that just couldn't be further from each other. Like it, um, Big Short getting Oscar nominations and a, and a win, um. <laughs> Uh, and Step Brothers, which is like the most, like one of the most recent big, um, Anchorman's right up there with it too. Just like wildly popular screwball comedies. Right. All right. So I, I have, I have the 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 screenplay right here, right? Okay. (laughs) So we get, we get, uh, John C. Riley and Will Ferrell being the wet wet bandits Mm -hmm. and they go into a neighborhood where, all the parents have left their kids at home alone for some reason. <laughs> and they go from house to house and just get their ass kicked from each house to each house. And they can't like they they're so frustrated. Like they think they're on like they know they're going to just, you know, just actually they may have like bad intentions. But mm-hmm. like like it gets to the point where, you know, people are parallel, you know, like they're pushing each other around a wheelchair like they're getting you know, and you know Adam McKay isn't isn't afraid to like dip into that kind of um, un PC humor, right? Right. Like like so like there's like kids uh, with special needs that like just <laughs> crush them. You know, like it's like that would be a movie that I would watch. It would be like yeah, yeah, uh, I'm into it. Yeah, I think it, I think there's uh, some promise there. So, Adam McKay, helming uh, Home Alone, bringing it back to its former glory. That's right. Yeah, I like that one. Uh, Home Alone Island. (laughs) (laughs) All right. right. My number two is uh, also Guillermo del Toro. Oh. And with his creature effects, I think he would be perfect to reboot the Mortal Kombat movie franchise um do we still get the theme song oh yeah yeah so get the theme song (laughs) you uh get somebody else to do it so it sounds uh you know maybe some synth in there or something just to make it sound like every other um you could go the music uh, from right now the fincher route and and hire trent Reznor. that's right and that's (laughs) a cover of it yeah, that's 
Um, but yeah, I just Guillermo del Toro's his costuming and just mm-hmm. the creatures like it seems like a perfect fit. That was um, really the first. That was the first place my mind went when we started talking about this. This topic was just like, just not even trying to be funny. Just director, what director could do some franchise that needed help? Um, yeah. And where should we go? And uh, I, I feel like I watched Mortal Kombat in the last year or two, and it's bad. <laughs> it's so bad. Just and it's it's the acting it's the writing it's everything about it but there's so much there's so much potential it's well then i didn't don't even get me started on what it mortal Kombat annihilation (laughs) it's like (laughs) you want a bad movie that's that's the worst um and i unfortunately i have hey listen we're watching we're watching uh, Clown Tergeist yeah. this week. So. Well, I I don't I, think I've ever seen a movie worse than Mortal Kombat Annihilation. <sighs> so I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. But you get some you get some budget behind it. You get somebody that can write. You get the costuming. I think you that, can go basically anywhere because the, the game is so simple that you can do whatever you want. Yeah. And even the really the plot of the original Mortal Kombat wasn't terrible. It was just poorly executed. So you could go back and follow that as a outline or do something completely different. As long as you don't kill the you know favorite character in the first five minutes like in the sequel. No, um, <laughs> I think I think you could you could make it happen. I like it. I do. Uh, <laughs> yeah, what a disappointing! Like, what a great video game and disappointing movie. Mm-hmm. But I guess that goes hand in hand. I guess uh, teenage. Well, no, not teenage mutant ninja turtles. No, uh, you mean like uh, Super Mario Brothers? Yeah, oh, yeah. There you go. I really like that movie, but that was just the age. Yeah, you fit the <laughs> fit the uh, target audience. That one or maybe two years that thought that was okay. Mm-hmm. I accept this. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, Street Fighter is another one. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Like, well, the original was, and the original just... was fine. I don't see the problem with the original. So. <laughs> Sure. <laughs> no, I, I mean, it, they just like these two things that were just. They're made to capitalize on. Um, capitalize on a trend. And like if you, you take some time and care and like they're both like, I don't know, they're they're very much products of their time. Yeah. Uh, if you, you know, take some some time and care and you're not trying to. You're trying to create a movie instead of sell more units of a video game, then, mm-hmm. you know. Yes, uh, Street Fighter was almost on this list. I just didn't know how to remake it 
like who could make it now that would make it good because it was it fit in when it was made just like it's not a good movie but no it's kind of it's it's kind of cute i don't know it's that it fits into its time period so well that like yeah why mess with just because it's not take it it's not like it's take it for what it's worth yeah yeah just take it for what it's worth it's not a great movie but it's not you know it's 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 watchable in context. Nice. Uh, yeah. All right. Mortal Kombat. I'm in. <laughs> All right. Well, um, okay. So I know the, the, um, uh, we, we all, I think we all like the first hangover movie, right? Uh-huh. Yeah. Like very good. The second one, so it was not a bad. And the third one was like the. There's a third one. Yeah. <laughs> Seriously, <All right. laughs> there's a third one. Oh yeah. Oh jeez. In in the in the vein or uh, in the same kind of uh, sphere of you know Scorsese making a more gritty Ocean's franchise, I want it like what happens to the people in The Hangover. Like, mm-hmm. there's some bad things that happen, and we kind of gloss over them, and everything ends up good and everything. But I want David Fincher to really get <laughs> into this and make I want to I want him see to make another really, adaptation. That's right. I want I want to see what happens in Bangkok. Mm-hmm. And I know I, I know I was railing on this earlier, but uh, uh, he, I think he would really dive into the uh, seediness and the how men are just, you know, at their worst can be really bad. Mm-hmm. And I think he could, uh, he could, he could pull this off because, um, yeah, because uh, the hangover, you know, everything happen, everything's nice in the end. Yeah, we got a face tattoo, but you know, Mike Tyson sings at your, you know, everyone likes Mike Tyson right now, yeah. Every, but everybody forgets he is a rapist. And a biter. And a biter, for sure. Um, Look, without him, we wouldn't have the brilliant Killer Mike line. Um, I'm like Tyson in the 80s. I'll punch your fucking lights out. And I'm like (laughs) Tyson in the 90s. If I'm losing, I'll take a bite out. (laughs) That's a pretty good line. (laughs) All is forgiven. That's good. No, just just kidding. Um, But yeah. Yeah, Mike Tyson. So yeah. Weird guy. Yeah. uh, yeah, David Fincher getting into the uh, the seediness, the like the dark, like the things where all the photos at the end of the movie, you know, show like, oh, oh, we did this, we did this, we did this. No, that's where we get into the grittiness. This is where we we dive in and see what happens to like men behaving badly. I would say, like right? someone missing a couple fingers and yeah, 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 someone gets their ear chopped off or whatever happens. Bit off. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah. Perfect. Yes. Uh, uh, shoot, something came to me and then I lost it. So, ignore me. Sorry. Well, <laughs> but bad news is we're going right to you for your number two. Uh, okay. I, I feel like I had something to say about uh, whatever, uh, but I can't remember it. So my number two, um, a uh, a promising franchise has a lot of fans, um, but it just never. It never really got off the ground the way that it maybe um, 
Maybe should have, maybe maybe could have is is the right word. Um, but uh, I want to take it all the way back and uh, reboot Hellraiser, mm. um, a a series that has just slowly went from uh, it, uh, Clive Barker's vision to uh, direct to DVD to. Uh, the quality of a fan film um, being trying to shove down our throats. Um, but I want to get uh, J.A. Bayona uh, to direct, who uh, is mostly known for The Orphanage. Mm-hmm. Um, and he most recently directed Jurassic World Fallen Kingdom, which was just just such a miss... Um, um, it was a mistake hiring him for that because he he can do um, he can do horror so well, but um, the he he can't really pull off the the science fiction aspect of it. It's it's more of the um, more of the unknown, more of the paranormal that he he really can nail an atmosphere so well, uh, and. Even though uh, Del Toro's not directing, get him to do the new uh, character designs for the Cenobites. There you go. Um, maybe a, a um, maybe introduce some new ones. Uh, just kind of try and distance yourself from the original. So, uh, in, as far as like you just being crushed by comparison, which is what will undoubtedly happen whenever mm-hmm. they try and make another Hellraiser movie again. Um, so just focus focus on that, that paranormal aspect. Um, I love Hellraiser, but it just does not... It didn't age well visually. Um, the themes are still great. Uh, and and uh, I think that's why maybe it, it still has a little bit of its endearment. But uh, update it. Go for more atmosphere um, and and give it some some wild character design. And uh, so uh, the original Hellraiser, um, there was a band that uh, Clive Barker tapped to do the soundtrack and uh, called Coil. And mm-hmm. oh no, I know Coil. Yeah, so they made. Um, there's a couple of, uh, like themes, unreleased themes that, that have made their way around the internet. Uh, yeah, really good. Much better. Like the, the Hellraiser score is fine. Um, it's kind of, it's, it's just there. Um, bring back this original score. Like it's already written, uh, Ultimately, I think what happened with that was um, there was pressure from the studio and something had to go. It either had to be uh, Coyle's soundtrack or um, scenes that Clive Barker didn't want uh, didn't want to wind up on the cutting room floor. So um, he ultimately chose the scenes over the, uh, the score. And uh, I will try and remember to link to uh the score because it's worth a listen um yeah but 
I think that you could really do this right and really revive it um, because it's just it's the themes are great. Um, the character design is cool. And then you get someone who is just has such an incredible eye for creating stuff like that. I mean, obviously, all three of us have made a point to mention him tonight um, in Guillermo del Toro. And then J.A. Bayona, just so good with atmosphere and so good with um, tension and, and kind of that, that paranormal horror. No, that's pretty good right there. I like that a lot. Uh, cool. I'm, I'm racking my brain. What's the Coil song that I really love? Damn it. Um... I had an album. I had an album of Coil. I just can't remember. Anyway, sorry. No worries. Yeah, so I was looking up uh, J.A. Boyega. Or Boyega. (laughs) (laughs) Bayona. um, And he's got a two-episode credit for directing on Penny Dreadful. Oh, there you go. Which is a show that I'm not sure exactly which. It was like two episodes that he did but that was a that's a show that i really enjoyed the kind of grittiness of kind of the the darkness and kind of it had its cute moments but in general it was kind of a a dark take on that like old school um monster movie Mm -hmm. so yeah i think that would be be great Cool. All right. So my number one, I think I have a this distinct feeling that uh, we're gonna have the same director for all of our <laughs> number ones. Um, Maybe. Quentin Tarantino. Who's that? I love him. I just love that guy. Everything he does, I think he could have. Basically, I would watch. I would pay to go at least once to see him remake every single movie we've mentioned the Tarantino version would just yeah. be amazing it's like one of those things where you're like uh it's this on steroids but yeah it's it, the no holds it, barred just graphic violence whatever adult version it's the yeah. grown up version of every movie oh, yeah <laughs> and sometimes childish But he brings just the, he's got everything. Like, I don't, it is very specific style that he brings to the movies he makes, but he can do everything. He's, it's amazing cinematography. Um, His dialogue is, is amazing. Um, You know, there's not. The action's definitely there. It's not, you know, doesn't get into the special effects. It's the practical stuff. Um, so you're not seeing him do anything too crazy. So it might be a little bit of a stretch for the one, the franchise that I have him rebooting. Might need to stretch his wings a little bit on the special effects department. But I see him, you know, getting uh, Tom Hardy, Charlize Theron, a couple other folks. To uh, reboot the Harry Potter franchise. (laughs) (laughs) Because we, at least I 
Sorry, Brad. Andrew and I grew up with Harry Potter. You wouldn't. You you didn't grow up with a wizard. You wouldn't understand. <laughs> yeah, you didn't grow up with them. Sorry. <laughs> um, you know, we're right in there age-wise. Yeah. We grew up with Harry Potter. Um, and you know, I think it was it was fun while it lasted. But mm. you know, they're grown up now. We saw that they have kids. Some really bad hair and um face makeup and stuff to make them try to look older <laughs> and i think we need some new actors to show what um what these guys are doing in their adult lives and it's 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 gritty now it's yeah. got uh the you know they're they're well educated at hogwarts they can throw some good dialogue together and yeah. uh i think the showdown at the three broomsticks is uh where it all comes together in that Tarantino Western style. I, I, I prefer like a samurai style. You can have both. Yeah. All right. <laughs> it's the crazy 88s and yeah. wizards and just like, I just, throw I, it all in there. I can't imagine what he's going to do with Hermione and like what Samuel Jackson's going to say about it. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, she's probably going to get punched, yeah. which everyone's going to cry, but it needs to happen. <laughs> now I, all I can think about is, is Samuel L. Jackson being, uh, being Ron. So it's just, he, he gets like a red Afro <laughs> just, just, to, <laughs> just to really hey, like, just stick it to like, it's like easy. There's spells that go wrong. <laughs> who's, who's the headmaster of the thing? Uh, He's dead. So. I I know. I understand. But who, who, is, the, who is the head? The head guy. Uh, Dumbledore. 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 Yeah. Right. So that you you throw it back and you don't, you do it. I guess uh, fan be- <laughs> Fantastic Beasts of the what in where to find them or whatever um, is the prequel. But like you just go just a little bit before and you put you know yeah Tim Roth or Samuel L. Jackson as Dumbledore. And you just reimagine it that way. And like these young punk kids coming in and being all, you know, Quidditch. What the fuck is Quidditch? Yeah, you need like old or like not old, but like young Tim Roth yeah. in that role. I like it. That's uh, like, yes. That's the one I I, I was going to have pages written for exactly what goes down at the three broomsticks. And I just doing- didn't. <laughs> You're doing fanfic? <laughs> oh, yeah. I, that one's going to turn into a novel. <laughs> I'm into it. I it especially might, uh, the Nino, NaNoWriMo maybe this year. <laughs> yeah. So I've, yeah. I've only seen the first three Harry Potter movies, and they're not good. Um, I'll just say that on the offset. Uh, I don't think they're good. I know they're beloved. I know that they're, char- they're characters with a built-in uh, fan base, so I'm, I believe that that skewers it, but I don't think they're very good movies. And uh, I think that it really could definitely use some, some growing up, I guess. Some, some rough around the edges. They tried to bring some gravity in like the last two movies well even like the fourth one with uh cedric diggory eating it 
Spoiler alert. Uh, uh, sorry. No, nah, it's okay. Uh, <laughs> I read the fourth um, book. Was... Yeah. So, you know, like with Cedric dying in the fourth book, there's like, I felt, I always felt like it was a little cheap. Um, you didn't really like everyone was super upset, but you never really got to know him. Mm-hmm. So you didn't really care. Um, in the last couple movies, they, they, they bring it a little bit more, but yeah, I think, you know, opening scene, Ron dies horrifically. And then, uh, cause everyone knew that Harry and Hermione should hook up. Yeah. <laughs> so in a, like a, uh, a diner robbery. Yeah. <laughs> and it's, you know, it's some like muggle that Ron that gets shot there. in the head. He gets just, yeah. Cause they're like, uh, you know, he's, he's got his briefcase there. And he's got his wand inside. Yeah. And it's glowing, but he's just sitting there tapping. He's just the sitting there. Actually, yeah. says something weird and just makes. Yeah, just thing. like he he's gonna say some spell, and the person just shoots him before he like even gets a word out. Because <laughs> really, like in the movies, it's ridiculous that you know, like, oh, I'm gonna say this four-word phrase mm-hmm. as a spell and do this complicated thing, and Africa, you're just stand there, fucker. Abercrombie and Fitch and you're like standing there the whole time just waiting for it to come and you just kind of hang out but yeah I think Tarantino could go go places with a Harry Potter reboot it took me four tries to get through the magical beasts and whatever Uh, I fell asleep every time yeah that movie was not good and I think they're making a sequel. Oh yes, they are. And then like the one, the one interesting character they had. Sorry, spoilers. Uh, the one interesting character they had, they more like it turned out he was Johnny Depp the whole time. Like what fucking shit oh, is that? Right. Some some dumbass misdirection right there. Like the other actor was doing a fine job, but you just gotta you know pick someone with a name, even though you know anything Harry Potter is gonna move units. <clears throat> it moved you guys' as units. I know that. Yeah. Into my body cavity. <laughs> so turned off by it. Uh, yeah. I'm into right. it. I need it. Very good. All right. This is going to be short, and it's kind of a cheat because he's only directed one movie, Molly's Game, but he's hmm. written a ton of movies uh, from A Few Good Men to uh, he did West Wing. He did Social Network. He wrote a ton of stuff. But Aaron Sorkin. Yeah, has he is wordy whenever he talks, and he gets into the minutia. And uh, one thing that Rambo isn't known for is wordiness. But I wanted to get into the the background of Rambo and like what happens whenever he's talking to his uh, commanders and like all the things that go around where Rambo came from and like. It's one of those. It's one of those movies where we cut away from the the violence and the action to get back to the talking, and we just reference it the uh, all that stuff. So I want Aaron Sorkin to direct Rambo mm. and reboot this franchise because uh, yes, it's got a little it's got a little absurd, and we need to get back to a little bit more Brian Dennehy and uh, uh, you know to First Blood 
And I want Aaron Sorkin to bring us back and 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 let's examine Rambo uh, to maybe maybe preposterous heights whenever he tries to do what I'm doing and just use a lot of words to explain a premise of a movie. Can we get Rambo pre-speech impediment? Eh, I mean, because always... if it's a two-hour movie with just a load of dialogue, I don't know if put... well, right. You so, put okay, peanut butter on the roof of his mouth, and then have someone else dub it. Right. So this this is like Rambo is actually a hate crime because they got a guy who is mentally impaired to go out and do their dirty work. Right. They're just like playing on his like. Because he can't talk. He doesn't have a whole lot of... All he can do, really, is kill people and break rocks. That's all we've seen him do. And maybe love once or twice. Hell yeah. But, like, they... they Pray, you know, these bad people are praying on... And we need to examine that kind of stuff. You know, right? We need to get to the bottom of why... uh, It's like him with his therapist. Right, yeah. Working through his PTSD... Oh, that would be great. Just like open on like a debriefing. That's right. We don't even get like it's it's between Rambo two and three, right? Before after he does first blood part two and before he goes to Russia. Hmm. <laughs> first blood part two. Rambo. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no blood part one. That yeah, the the naming of that series is just so <laughs> So his uh, kill count, I was hearing about this. So he killed like four people in the first movie, or right, right. eight or something. Well, he didn't but, even really kill some of them. It's like, but is yeah, like just like knocking out is considered a kill. Yeah, but like, but like he goes on like, average, if you look at the total count and divide it by the number of movies, is like 105 or something per right. movie. He <laughs> <laughs> was like 300 people in Rambo yeah. Five. Yeah, it's yeah, it's uh, yeah, that'd be great. Played it quickly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's like uh, he needs whenever he gets sent to Leavenworth or whatever place he's working at when he's breaking the rocks and stuff. Like his, he has to. Not only does he get sentenced to time, but he also has to go through counseling, right? Like he has to go through anger management, whatever. I want to hear the. Um, whoever has like a JUCO degree in going into the prisons to try to uh, uh, rehabilitate prisoners. Like I want that conversation. So how does that make you feel? Oh, I don't know. I'd probably, uh, yeah, it makes me feel feelings and stuff. And, uh, yeah. If if Aaron Sorkin wrote that, I would be, I'd be a little concerned. Oh, <laughs> it's just vowels, pages of vowels. Mm-hmm. Uh. Uh. Nice. Well, I'm down. Yeah, I'd love to to add a little like a uh, little bit of that to um, to Rambo. Yeah. I guess I, I what would that be? I guess adding consequence to the to the violence. Yeah, yeah. Or a little bit of like, what if he has P, PTSD? Like he has to, right? And the first one he did. That's the first yeah. one, right? Yeah. yeah. But like after that, he, he killed he became so a many more people. Yeah. 
he's like, oh, I guess I'll just cope with it by just killing <laughs> yeah, everyone. I'm just, I'm just gonna brace my. He really leaned into it, <laughs> right? <laughs> like that's the worst therapist ever, right? Mm. So Embrace the pain. Feel? How's this make you feel? Angry. That's good. Let's get into that. <laughs> All right. Um, so my last one uh, is is also Tarantino. Um, I, I mean, it's, it's treading on the on, on blasphemous territory here. Um, but I feel like at some point someone's going to try and do it. So why not get someone who uh, can tell an interesting story um, and can have snappy dialogue and interesting characters with um, Tarantino, as we talked about. Um, if it's got to be done, I want him to be the one that uh, does the Godfather. He can do, he can handle the jumbled timelines of uh, Godfather part two. He can, um, he can basically treat basically, well, let's call it Godfather world war two. And then, uh, he can come in and do the inglorious bastards version of it where he just takes it over the top. Yeah. Um, you know, it, it's, it's one of those things where I feel like you're, you got to go left. Like you're not going to be able to do it again. So you, you got to find a different angle and the Tarantino angle is the one I want to go with. Um, and he's never really, he, I feel like he would, have a great you know he's got a great mafia movie in him he just hasn't done it yet mm. so where kate is like actually the the queen pin mm-hmm. of it right where yeah. she's played by uma thurman <laughs> right yeah absolutely <laughs> of course yeah, obviously oh, yeah, um, of course. yeah where she like yeah she takes over and like makes mm-hmm. you know michael's always sitting in you know he's always kind of bumbling around and yeah yeah <laughs> michael like, michael is fredo <laughs> yeah pretty much yeah yeah it was just a bunch of fredos yeah. and uh uh don carleon is yeah he's uh well that i mean samuel jackson is getting to the point where, where he he's the age of that right make it a modern day kind of remake yeah yeah you could do that and uh um, <laughs> shit. Can't remember what I was gonna say. I'm losing it, guys. That's all right. Uh, Must be a good beer. I don't, maybe. Oh, I hope that's it. <laughs> so I can recover from that. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Well, I know. I know it's late when it's dark on the West Coast because I can. Oh, see, yeah. I, 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 it went from like uh, yeah, afternoon, afternoon to evening to, to nighttime, to, and yeah. your and your windows behind you. But. Yeah, we're trying to get it to cool down. Yeah, I got the got the windows open. Oh man, yeah. So Tarantino, he should just Very good. he can remake whatever he wants, really. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he could he could mess because Godfather Part Two did such a great job of splicing in the two different timelines, um, and he obviously is someone who can work with uh, non-linear storytelling pretty well. I mean, he's okay yeah. at it. He's fine. Um, and yeah, just bring it over the top, move, move left. Don't try and make another, 
you know, his spin on it. Yeah, I want his spin on it because anything else, like, I don't know. I, I think someone else, anyone else will try and recreate Coppola. I think he would recreate this in, in his image. Yeah. Yeah, it's weird. It's weird Tarantino, like, there's only, like, a, a director or two in Hollywood that, like, Hollywood has not bought off. Like, it, like he's go- only going to do his own thing. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, he is the writer-director. And no yeah. matter what, he's never going to uh, vary from that. And that's uh, something to be said for that. Yeah. Um, I mean, he's he's made a pretty penny in the process, so... Oh, for sure. At, at like for sure. at a, at a certain point, um, he's kind of getting the best of both worlds, where he he has creative freedom and he's making, it, you know, really great money. So, and I don't yeah. see his. I don't know. Is it? Is he like not really threatening, but you know, he's kind of talk about like, oh, my, you know, my my last movie. He has. He's someone that plans on retiring versus like. Someone like, uh, I mean, De Niro's taking on a lot of roles now, which, you know. Or even even Scorsese, you know. Yeah. Like, even though he still puts out good stuff, it's like, I mean, he's been been working hard for, Mm -hmm. I mean, 50 years, probably, as a director. Yeah. 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 Cool. Yeah, so. Good list, boys. That was fun. Yes, yes, y'all to the beach and thank you devin for joining us yes. and uh for yeah, more thank devin, you how much uh yeah i mean uh i think actually you know i know that i do a, a podcast another podcast that has over 200 episodes and i know andrew has a podcast that has uh over 250 episodes but it's true the real the real the real is the andrew nerdy podcast who is closing in on 300 they're getting real close to 300 uh they're latest episode which i am on it was a uh, camp cast 2018 which is uh saint jimmy's annual birthday camping episode mm-hmm. for whatever reason has not been posted or not gotten out in, in the world right um which i'll be letting them know about but yeah they're uh 285 so um you can catch me there once a month every couple times a year yeah. um Otherwise, you can follow me on Untapped, uh, Devin Mont G, and Twitter, uh, Devin L. Mont G. And yeah, come to Portland. Uh, we we'll shall. go out drinking. Hell yeah. <laughs> I will. And thank you, buddy, for coming on. That was, it's, it's been a pleasure. Yes, thanks again. And, and thank you again. Well, and, and once and again, thank you. You're, you're welcome, and thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you're welcome. That's what we were looking for. And and, and thank you you're for welcome. for for taking the time to thank us. I All do right. appreciate uh, you guys. I well, Kinda, just stop I, right there. Just stop right there. I I, I do I, appreciate you guys. I usually just start laughing when I try to explain to people like, Oh yeah. Like these guys, uh, I met him on the internet. Hell yeah. Through a podcast. And I'm like, Oh, 
I love podcasts. What's it about? And I'm like, beer and movies. <laughs> How much time you got? <laughs> and they're they're like, oh, I really like uh, cereal and whatever. And I'm like, yeah, it's. I really don't like those. I really enjoy the like conversational podcasts. Yeah, yeah. It, we like um, when people come to us or when advertisers come to us and they're like, "Hey, we should uh, we should get this a little bit more well produced." Uh, we always turn them down. For uh... well, my first question is, "What are you talking about?" Yeah. And, uh... <laughs> well, you know, you're like Andrew, you're working two jobs. Like, you don't need the the money from no. advertising. No. Like that's right. <laughs> uh and you know, for our podcast, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Do it for the love. Do it for the love. No, I appreciate you coming on, buddy. Um and yeah. That's that's all I gotta say. That's that.